Mechfootballpod. The whole family's here again. Justin, Caleb, Caleb's in the cook. Caleb's in the kitchen. Caleb, what are you whipping up? Is that spaghetti? Is that spaghetti and meatballs that you're whipping up? Oh no, 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 no. That's fancy. No, that's fancy. Ooh, what do you got there? I wish I had the patience to do spaghetti and meatballs tonight. I have very hastily made tostadas with a uh, cream cheese and egg and black bean and hot sauce. You bet you. All right. I know we shouldn't be doing free endorsements, but big hot sauce is just bigger than this podcast will ever be. I'm just going to be totally honest. What kind of hot sauce are you rocking right now? Lula forever and always, but I'll put some sriracha on stuff if I want a little bang. Baby. That's the, that's a good answer. Justin, what hot sauce are you rocking? My favorite uh, forever and always is El Yucateco. Oh. It's fantastic. I haven't tried that, but that sounds wonderful. They have a bunch of different kinds, but like I'm, I'm privy to the really, really spicy one. I think it's like triple X or something like that, but it's, it's very, very good. Um, but as far as like standard restaurant table hot sauce, Cholula is the correct answer. Mm-hmm. Of course, no hot takes here. Um, week <laughs> two of Mac football to talk about. Oh, wait, what's wrong? What's wrong, Caleb? I would like you all to go back at some point in the course of your listening experience to this and hear the way Justin started to talk at the beginning of that last sequence and tell me it doesn't sound like Christopher Walken. Yeah, decide if that's a compliment. You'll believe you'll you'll see it you'll you'll hear it when you when you listen to it. Week two of Mac football to talk about before I was rudely interrupted. To hear that Justin Coffin somewhat sounded like Christopher Walken. <sighs> Man, a lot of there was basically. Do you want half, me to stab him in the face with a soldering iron? No, oh God. <laughs> no, definitely not. Please, um, please, help! It helps me get to the weekend quicker. Let's do it. Half the league was playing against FCS opponents. Uh, a lot of coaches love to. Um, and rightfully defend the FCS ranks and say, hey, you know, that's where a lot of our roots are from. We have so much respect for those programs. We're damn near recruiting against them half the time. And you know what? A third of the time we're losing to them too. Fordham, <laughs> taking down Buffalo, NIU, which apparently just beat uh, Boston College, which relabeled as bad college, as uh, I correctly did last week, lost to SIU. The Salukis, baby. Yeah, there's some other ones, you know, to talk about too. But Akron barely escaped with the win over its FCS opponent. Bowling Green looked pretty good. Central, barely. Walk-off field goal to at, at the end of regulation to beat New Hampshire. There was a lot going on here, man. A lot going on here. Guys... Uh, your overall takeaways from the weekend that was. It could have been so much worse. That's my major takeaway. The FCS almost ran the table. Uh, and actually probably should have. I mean, when I saw that central, now correct me, I, I know New Hampshire threw for a lot of passing yards. I didn't watch any of the game. I believe New Hampshire is one of those programs that does that. You know, they sling it around. They got a lot of guys with these stats. Uh, Correct. But regardless of whatever situation Central's in there, I thought they were supposed to be better coached than to be in this type of situation where they're celebrating a last-second field goal. That's a little worrisome. It makes a little more sense that NIU got slowed down by SIU. I heard, based on what I heard about, like, their skill guys and – I don't know. NIU doesn't really have an excuse at this point, but they're still going to win. I assume with Lombardi back, they're probably still going to win like five or six games in the West this year, maybe. I don't know. I'm not sold on NIU. I think there's a good reason for that, but uh, Toledo is the only one that I'm just really confident is a really good team right now. Yeah, Toledo did like beat the freaking doors 
off of its uh off of its opponents, Texas Southern, seventy one to three. Um, other scores around the league. Um, I don't know if I said the score for Akron, 24-21. Uh, Buffalo lost 40-37. Kent State, they lost. Uh, their score was actually pretty respectable, 28-6 at Arkansas. Uh, SIU 14, NIU 11. Miami, UMass, a game that lasted, you know, seven hours because of lightning, 41-28. to Western Michigan lost at Syracuse, 48-7. to uh, As we said, Bowling Green, uh, did beat Eastern Illinois 38-15. 45-42 was Central New Hampshire. Eastern lost at Minnesota 25-6. And, of course, uh, Georgia beat the snot out of Ball State 45-3. So a lot of these scores are not very surprised, uh, but it did stink to see, you know, in some of these, like, bigger competitions in the MAC versus P5 school, uh, competitions, you know, it was multi-score games where what the MAC team ended with just like single-digit points. Ball State, Georgia, Minnesota Eastern, and of course Syracuse Western as well. Uh, that all really sucked. As much as like we want like the competitive level to like rise and like we want like this year to just be like in some cases leaps and bounds or at least like noticeably strides better than what the Mac showed off last year. It's not, I don't know, man, this, this was definitely, uh, as you said, you know, as you guys already said, like, this is a pretty disappointing week. Um, and I wish we could have like, yes, like the FCS Mac losses suck. Like those really suck, but those are going to happen, especially when you have six of them in one weekend on the high end. You just, I just wish we could have seen more. Um, Justin, I know you probably had more eyes on the Syracuse Western game. Uh, I can kind of talk about Eastern Minnesota later if we want. But what did you see out of, you know, your new looking team going against Syracuse where Dino Babers has been there ever since he bounced from Bowling Green? It's tough to tell how much of them giving up 48 points had to do with kind of ineptitude on offense, particularly at quarterback. The team has the same problem on offense that it did last year is they don't have anybody under center that can make this thing happen. And the guy that they started the season with for the second year in a row seems to not be the right guy. Um, I don't know what they're going to do. All three quarterbacks on the roster played. Um, None of them looked particularly great. Uh, They got a 75-yard touchdown from Jalen Buckley to like open up the scoring and give you that brief moment of maybe they can do this. Um they, dear listener, they could not. Um, they were just overmatched. The defense isn't very good. The defensive box score doesn't look all that bad. They still were really good at like generating havoc plays and all that stuff, uh, which is like a Lou Esposito's staple, but it kind of comes at the expense of big plays. This team has to figure it out throwing the damn ball or it's going to be in trouble uh, because it doesn't matter how good Jalen Buckley is. They're going to load the box. There's nothing they can do about it. As you can tell, sort of sour on it, but I'm not too mad. It's year one. They're trying to figure out who they are in this new system. Yeah, like you're supposed to get pantsed like at some point. You know, that's just how it goes. And this is definitely it. And like what I think the only thing that like kind of, I don't know, like Syracuse isn't everybody's favorite P5 program. They look at they look at that and it's like, that's neat. That's a beatable logo. That's a beatable logo right there. Um, but Syracuse, you know, and like Western Syracuse was a series that we've already seen be played in two pretty decent games from what I remember. I don't totally remember the final scores of those. Usually Syracuse out to a big lead, Western storms back in this version of that game. They don't have the offense to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, and they also just like, don't have a defense that's going to get them off the field. And so, um, you know, next week they go to Iowa city if you're one of those people watching Brian Ferentz watch very closely to see if he can get to the 25 points per game, this is how he's going to keep his job is playing against this defense because I just don't think they've got the juice up front to match up. Like I think they could get 
I think Iowa could score 60 this week just by being Iowa. Uh, speaking of teams that didn't have enough juice up front, uh, Eastern Michigan, Minnesota, uh, EMU, no touchdown score, just got totally waxed at the O-line. You know, it's some, and sometimes, I shouldn't say all the time, but like sometimes they got waxed. And when they got waxed, damn, it hurt, man. Because Minnesota's got some players at the, you know, at its D-line spots. Uh, Kyler Ball was a huge playmaker. The stat lines might not really show it. Like, it showed, like, that he he was pretty good. But watching the game, he was much better than what the stat line showed. Um, Emu hasn't shown enough efficiency on offense for various reasons. Uh, Guys, I I, I cover the team extensively at my newsletter. So, I kind of want to, like... I want you guys to ask me something about this because I can go like a million different ways, but what are you most questioning or concerned about with EMU at this point? I mean, is there any concern about how they're going to play offensively? It's very tough to gauge in these big 10 games. And I think Minnesota is pretty good defensively. Right. But Mm -hmm. part of the like nine win, 10 win EMU target is that they're going to score some points. And through two weeks, I mean, I guess it's been okay, but are you concerned with that side of the ball, or is it just too early to tell? I think slightly too early to tell, and also that answer is mostly coming from, like, there hasn't been a large enough sample of it. Like, EMU has only run 100 plays which is, you know, only through two weeks, sure. But in the games, like, they've, the defenses have played 20 to 30 more snaps than the offense has for Eastern. And Eastern's offense is, like, just not on the field long enough to sustain drives. Um, and it's hard to read, like, between the lines of, like, four, like Fordham, Howard, which went five and six last year, and Minnesota. And all the other moving parts that Eastern's offense has. My biggest question, and I did it on my other podcast, uh, my biggest question right now is where is the true X receiver? You know, Darius Lasseter left after the spring ball. That really stunk. I was hoping by this point one of the new transfers would really step up. Uh, Maybe, I don't know, any of the new freshmen. There's only a couple to really pick from. Uh, But they were, like, very, very sought after, good recruits. I thought maybe at this point we'd be throwing darts out there to try to figure those answers out. But there's very few darts to be thrown through these two few games, through these two games uh, to figure out who the new X receiver is going to be. You know, because right now, like the two receivers that have played the most, I'll throw out three. Um, Tanner Canoe, of course, he's leading. Hamza Zayat, a lot of people say he's underutilized and, you know, probably, but he's fine he's out there he's he's doing his thing and jb mitchell uh who's been an up-and-comer but haven't really seen a whole lot of so we don't really know the answers at receiver just yet it's an optimistic group because like you can at this point bank that chris creighton's gonna get the job done and he has a good enough eye for talent at wide receiver but right now i just i don't see it outside of you know what i've already what i already know about tanner canoe I just don't know who that true X is because, as I've said before, like Darius Lassiter was a guy who like had to like grow into the season. But at some point, he was the guy to depend on when EMU needed a drive like it did in the Potato Bowl when he had like there was a drive where he had like three catches for 96 yards, essentially. I don't see that receiver on this roster right now. And that's that's kind of concerning. I shouldn't say I don't see it on the roster. I don't. I haven't seen it on the field. I think I think that's a better way of saying it for me. But I mean, so you're saying okay, you haven't seen it on the field. And you're getting at is there somebody out there who could it, who could it even be? Is uh, there anybody it could potentially be? Von Swinton is like the guy that's being circled right now. Uh, transfer from Indiana hasn't really done too much. Uh, only got in 
I think like I, I'm not looking at the numbers right now, but like less than half the snaps against uh, against Minnesota uh, didn't get a ton of looks out there. I'm not sure how much of it is because I don't know things just weren't weren't really working for Eastern, and I, I have no idea what the situation is there. Um, but if there's one guy that does have like the things that I'm looking for, you know, it's probably him. I, 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 there's probably going to be like some big play potential out of uh, Hamza Al Zayat too. Like we already saw with the kick return, like he's got that in him. But again, like he just hasn't been super targeted a lot. Not a lot of snaps to have had to have been had from Eastern's offense. So there's something to that too. You know who did get a transfer wide receiver in that's uh, whipping some ass right now? Say it, say it, say it, Caleb. Caleb, are you ready? Larvadane, Gage Larvadane. He quietly had a really good game against Miami as well. He had eight catches for eighty yards. So it's not like, um, you know, I don't know if we can expect him to have two hundred and ninety whatever yards every game like he did against UMass. And also, not everybody is UMass. But like, this is this is a dog. (laughs) This guy can freaking play and like. Miami has had some explosive receivers of late, but I don't think anything like this. The, no, Not that like guy 99 pops. yard he touchdown pops. passes. This is a difference maker. And I've said a lot of shit about Miami about how they have to run the ball. I take that back. They don't have to run. They should never run it again. They should throw it to him every time. I mean, they're not going to give the ball to anybody more than five times anyway, right? So you might as well throw it 80% of the time. That's a lie. Rashad, Rashad Amos, uh, South Carolina transfer, uh, 23 carries, 115 yards. He had 20. They gave him the ball 23. Oh, oh, so you're telling me you're telling me Chuck Martin is changing? Brett Gabbard only threw the ball 22 times, so balance. They're changing? He, he should throw it more. Um, to, <laughs> wait. To gauge Larvidan. Uh, hold on. Wait a minute, Justin. Let's, 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 real, let's, let's hold on. You're telling me that they had one guy carry the rock more times than Gabbert threw it. Well, that sounds very Chuck Martin. That's not uncharacteristic. No. It, that's, no. Not, that's not uncharacteristic. The, it is the, uncharacteristic because they don't have one guy. They never have one guy. That's one of my biggest freaking things is they never have a dude. That's they true. have a bunch. As they give the ball to seven or eight times. That's true. And, and they and they like to mix things up and they're like, okay, we're going to say uh, this is going to be a um, a 20, 21 personnel, but they just line up, you know, two by two, one back. like, And they just spread out one of the running backs as a wide receiver and they just have him do like a jet motion as like a play action sweep. And it's it sucks because – and then they, they keep rotating all of the running backs doing that. Yeah. And like like you said, Caleb, like they don't have that single lightning rod player on the field like that. Uh, Gage, Ed, you know, Mister Larva, uh, if he can blossom into a butterfly, holy shit, man! He's he has an all Mac potential season in front of him. Uh, it's very very easy to see. Or offensive player of the year. Let's just call it like it is. Whoa! I is like he his- is he not that right now? I mean, you got to unseat Curtis Rourke, man. No, I mean, it's, I get it's not Curtis. I get it's not Curtis's fault that he was hurt, but like, just through two weeks, that's the dude right now. Although Jalen Buckley has. He had 193 yards against an FCS school, but then he had a 75-yard touchdown against Syracuse. So, yeah, yeah we're gonna say like an FCS school, and then I don't know. I I don't know what like the universal opinion of like UMass is, uh, but it's not much higher than quote unquote an FCS school. UMass is US. <laughs> That's what they get for leaving. That's what they get for leaving. They should have just stuck around and said, you know what? We'll play in your garbage basketball conference. We're so much better than that. And you know what? We'll just 
we would have been able to live with that because their basketball program uh, has not been great um, since since then. UMass 190th in the current Sagarin ratings, by the way. Um, oh, that's um, that's below how many FCS or how many FBS schools there are. Like 66? Well, which I was about to ask, which direction? Well, let's, here's a game. Which, which direction yields the first FBS school quicker, up or down the list? Down. Right. One, two, three, four, five. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I, they might be the worst FBS school, but I'm, I'm looking out for Kent State here. I think FBS or, or, or Kent State is bottom in SP plus. They are bottom in SP plus, but they rank ahead of UMass. UMass is officially the worst FBS school according to the Sagarin ratings, but not the SP plus. SP plus UMass. Um, one thirty one is they've got it. They, they're yeah one thirty one above Arkansas State. Mm-hmm. Butch Jones is not long for this college football world. Yeah. Um. But I mean, UMass. I mean, I, I I respect that program, but like, good lord, man, and like they just lost. Uh, I don't know how long QB one is hurt for. Um, but that's that's a huge loss. He was like a former four star quarterback that didn't get anything cooking at Clemson or Georgia Tech, the top and the bottom at the times of the ACC, uh, didn't do anything there, came to UMass, and uh, yeah, that sucks. That sucks. Um, starting with UMass and going up the Sagarin list, by the way, the next FBS school above them, you have to get all the way to 181 because I'm just going to count Kennesaw State. But if you don't count Kennesaw State, you have to keep going all the way to Akron. At one fifty-two, Yeesh. Good lord! Oh man, that that's not the transition I wanted to take into it. But I think we need. I need. We need to talk about Akron. They don't have a quarterback. Forty spots worse than they Akron. They don't have a quarterback. They, they don't. They don't. And they nearly took a loss to a very not good Morgan State team. DJ Irons was like the consensus. Like, oh yeah, like athlete alone, all mag caliber guy. We don't know if he's starting anymore. Like he did not finish the game against Morgan State. Um, seven of nine passing, fifty-three yards, nothing cooking there. So I, I I didn't watch this, you know, in real time. Unfortunately, we're really bad about this. Sorry, there's just a lot of football on at this time of year. Six carries for minus twenty-six yards against Morgan State. Great oogly boogly. Uh, those twenty-four points were not all offensive either. The Akron finished with uh, finished with. Um, a <laughs> a scoop and score with 52 seconds left, and I believe there's a was there another defensive touchdown in this game too? Um, oh, I man. I can't remember, but the uh, that last fumble from Morgan State like absolutely looked like um. It's like a fumble that I would do if I was subbed into a college football game and asked to shave points. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or not shave points, but like throw the game. Like that's like about what it would look like. That is not an official accusation of the person at Morgan State. I don't know that there's enough. <laughs> Just there's not enough money in any sort of organized crime ring to offer a, a Morgan State running back to throw a game against Akron. I, I want to chime in here with. When we've been talking about whether Akron could, uh, you know, kind of rise up the ranks a little bit this year, I was nowhere near as high on DJ Irons as you guys were, and I didn't really feel like I needed to interject because I part of me wanted Akron to be better and not be garbage. Uh, so I kind of kept it to myself for the most part, but it's it's kind of starting to check out. Like I really Irons doesn't got it, man. Yeah, I don't believe you. I, th- I think you were a believer the whole time, and you're just uh, you're just saying that. Nah, you're no, no totally. <laughs> I, I was not an Irons guy at all. Yeah, it looks like a fifty-yard pick six to answer your question. That's right. Okay, I know what I did say it out loud, but I am saying that I didn't want to say it out loud and be wrong. 
and in saying so, because I did say it, didn't matter. <laughs> it was more fun to believe, like to like have our consensus believe that Akron was going to be decent and get better. And they still might. I don't know what this other guy's got. Uh, they should be two and zero, Caleb. How dare you? Oh fuck! I'm having a Morgan State. Shut up. <laughs> it should be two and zero. Um, Kent State's going to beat them, right? At this uh, rate, the game is going to be. Um, if EPA per play is your type of thing, or just total EPA, at no point. This is according to Game on Paper. <laughs> at no point in this game did either. Akron or Morgan State have a positive EPA. <laughs> Zero with percentile. It is literally a race to the bottom. Um, <laughs> you can like you can see the moment that um, you can see like the the chart like dip way down when they when Morgan State throws the pick six and then when they uh, fumble at the end of the game. Um, yeah, like these teams both like pretty aggressively got bad quickly in this game. <laughs> Uh, and it ended about how it deserved to. Do you still have the the those ratings pulled up? Because I would love to find out where Fordham ranks in the Sagarin. One eighty six, Alex. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. That's pretty low. It is in the I same actually really respect kind of Fordham section too. as I'm not Kansas that... State and Harvard. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't say that facetiously. Like, I, I really do respect Fordham. Like, they beat Holy Cross last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, went, I think it looks like a 9-3 and three season. Uh, lost to New Hampshire in the FCS playoff. You know, Fordham's a good school, but Buffalo, man, this is two years in a row. Yeah, there's uh at, at least last year like Holy Cross was it, it's hard when like you just the, there's the FCS moniker and then it's like oh all these teams are are bad but I think you know obviously we know very 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 different big very big difference between um like a Fordham and like a UMass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um all that said there's just a lot of talk right now about like Oh, what are these like hot coaching names in the Mac got to do to get a good job? And like Mo Linguist is a name that comes up pretty much since the second he took the job as like this up and comer, this up and comer. And I'm not saying he's not, I'm just saying like maybe losing to FCS schools isn't the best resume builder. Um, so my biggest th- thought on this is kind of two part it's that Fordham is a really well put together FCS school and they've been known for having like a good offense for a couple of years. Um, if you guys rec- remember Fotis Cocasiolis from NIU who went and was just like an absolute dog for them for Fordham the last couple of seasons, Holy Cross and Fordham are both not terrible losses for a max school. I'll say that to start. That said, we're not on year one of Mo Linguist. Like you want to be a good FBS program on a good foundation competing for conference championships, there no longer is an excuse to lose to a team that's not South Dakota State or North Dakota State that is an FCS program. You shouldn't be losing to a team that's not among the best in the FCS if you're a team that's like really on the rise. So this is like a kind of a, even though I, again, I think Fordham's a good team, it is, to me, it is a big indictment on Buffalo right now. Yeah, and it's I agree 100%. Not good to be outscored uh, 20 to 16 in the second half either. I want to throw out um, one guy that I wasn't like totally sure on, uh, but like I checked in a little bit on. I have to watch the whole tape to like really see. Uh, but at least stat wise, and like in the, I'd say two or three minutes, I was able to actually watch this game, which was in the very beginning. And I rightfully, or I shouldn't say rightfully, I stupidly thought that. Uh, Buffalo had it in the bag. Uh, no, Cole Snyder looks pretty good. Cole Snyder looks pretty good. 24-30, 265, three tutties, no interceptions. Minus 12 rushing, you know, whatever. I don't know how many times he was sacked. I'm only looking at the ESPN box score. But before I totally review it, hey, man, Cole Snyder might have some game to him now. He might be, like, average plus now. 
That's pretty good. Buffalo needs like average plus quarterback to get this going. But they need all, you know, good Lord. Not a totally well put together program, of course. Otherwise, you would not be losing these games two years in a row. Yes, we respect the FCS programs. We don't have to keep doing that. The, yeah, it's. I think Caleb, you hit it right on the head. Where it's like it's, it's fine to have these competitive games. It's fine to like against the FCS. Like we all understand the current state of play in the MAC. But if you're a team that like fancies itself a, nearly being one of the best in the conference, right? It's just it doesn't that you can't be you can't be losing these games. And especially, I feel like as a program building opportunity, like it happening once on a hail mary against a you know what is a holy cross which is amounts to like probably a top 80 team in all of college football period last year is one thing but to lose to like a, a respectable fordham team a year after just doing it it's ju- it just doesn't sit right <clears throat> and it really has to make you feel like you know maybe this isn't the year it's so early like they might have a shot at it at the end of the year and like Fordham is probably a good test for what you're going to see in Mac play. So, but if you can't, you know, there's just the thing with Buffalo for me, man, and I've been beating this drum is like, they don't win these games. If they don't turn people over, they don't play four quarters, no turnovers from Fordham. And that's like the long and short of it. Mm -hmm. If Buffalo's not creating turnovers on defense, they're not taking the ball away. They just really don't seem to win these games without getting extra, extra possessions. You prevent them from getting extra possessions. You keep uh, Marcus Fuqua away from the ball. They struggle. Uh, does for I'm gonna we're just gonna move on. Uh, Central Michigan forty five, New Hampshire forty two. Does that feel like a loss? New Hampshire's pretty good FCS school, but um, I want to say yes, but I also know that there's something weird about this fixture, if you could call it that. Central Michigan and New Hampshire have played three times, and in none of those games has Central won. They're 3-0 in all of the games, but Central has won by a maximum of seven points. (laughs) All three games are decided by one score, 2003, 2013. 2023, they also play once every 10 years, which is hilarious to me. This was the tightest game that the three have played, but they literally always play tight games with New Hampshire once a decade. That's a good branding move. Hopefully it pays off in 10 years again. And hopefully by then, Central Michigan's passing will improve. 8 of 20 as a team. So Central's going to get to Mac play. And they better hope they can completely control the line of scrimmage because if they can't, like, you're looking at, like, a 3-5 and five in MAC play central team. You're being very nice. Like, 3-5 and five actually seems really good compared to, like, what they've been showing right now. Well, it's, like, because I expect them to win a game or two where it's, like, going in, I'm like, this team is better than Central, and then Central will win anyway for some weird reason. Um, I don't know. Like, you're... It feels like they haven't had quarterback figured out. And even when they've gotten close under McElwain, they're not quite where they want to be at the quarterback spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, it's, and, you know, they always have good defenders. You still gave up 40 points, and the quarterback just diced you all day through the air. So I don't know. This, this To me, it doesn't feel like a loss. But it just feels like a reminder that Central um, Central's not as good as they should be coached. They're not as good as the defensive guys that they they can boast all these defensive guys and then not turn it into much, which is bizarre. Yeah, if they don't learn how to throw the ball, they're they're dead. I just don't think there's it's very difficult, like in the way college football works now, to be one dimensional. In in with the exception of like very, very, very specific styles in very specific circumstances. You see in the Big Ten, like it worked for a long time with Wisconsin, worked for a long time with Iowa, 
but like the circumstances there were they played in the shitty division so they could kind of get away with it you saw the, the second the big 10 got rid of divisions what did wisconsin go to do they they hired phil longo to run to be an offensive coordinator so like they changed i just don't think that there's a way like i just don't think you can run the offense this way with central michigan and win a lot of games it's just not gonna happen yeah, no, like you can't like... be. I should. I should amend my statement to be. You can't be one dimensional as a matter of like necessity mm-hmm. in college football in twenty twenty three. You can be as a matter of identity. I don't think Central Michigan wants to come out here and just not throw the ball. And that's, I think, what's the most troubling thing for them is that they clearly want to do this and can't. And that's very different type of one dimensional, in my opinion. For very well said. I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Bert Emanuel Jr. for, you know, as talented as he is, like, I don't know if those psychs are going to hold up, man. Like, that's, that's a, it's a long season, man. Uh, you got Notre Dame next, South Alabama next. After that, home against Eastern at Buffalo versus Akron at Ball State. Uh, that's That'll get you to, like, mid-October. We're going to have NIU at home on, uh, on Halloween. Man, by then, I, I'm very curious to see uh, what Central's offense looks like the rest of the year. Um, but, like, I think if it's going to have success, I think the early part of the MAC play for, like, as one-dimensional as CMU is, it might be able to get away with some plays in these games, depending on, like, how things kind of shake up. I don't know, man. Eastern hasn't looked 100% great against the run, TBD. Uh Buffalo, as we know, is shaky. It is shaky, but like maybe it might be better against a one-dimensional run. I don't know. Akron, Ball State, can't, I don't totally feel super confident. And then the back half of that max slate, Western, Ohio, Toledo. Yeah, good luck with that. So, yeah. Uh, yes, we do have an Eastern guy. Yes, we do have a Western guy, both on this podcast. We would like to see a better central team than this, though. We we genuinely do. I am speaking. I wouldn't go that far. No, no. I'm, we I'm would. fine we with would. them. I'm fine we with would. them. Being bad. We would. Okay, then you transition out of here and talk about a new team. Well, I want them to be good in the years where I picked them to win the MAC title, like last year. That would have been nice. Like the one time I would have been like kind of okay with it. Speaking of kind of okay, quietly, the Bowling Green Falcons look fine i i expected it to be a disaster it's very decidedly not so far not a lot to look at like a year one jamie chadwell liberty team and then fcs eastern illinois which, but they took care of business on a weekend where pretty much everybody else didn't very quietly they're going into michigan week people are going to kind of forget about them as a respectable team because they're probably going to get pummeled but this is about as good of a start as you could probably hope for with the turnover that they had. And uh, I'm not saying anything like Mac title, but maybe they, maybe they go to another bowl game. Maybe uh, season outlook is, I don't, I don't really know what to read of it. Uh, definitely played much cleaner against EIU than it did against Liberty. Uh, obviously the better opponent of the two there. Um, so I don't know. And against Michigan, who should be, I don't know, the future national champions. I you know, it'll be hard to we'll read whatever we're able to. Um and then we'll make more prognostications about where BG should be at the end of the year when that time comes. Uh what bowl game should they be going to? But my serious question here is where is Scott Loeffler gonna go eat when he goes back to Ann Arbor? That's just this is it's his favorite place in the world. Where's he gonna go back to eat? The brown jug, of course. I already, I'm going to answer for you. He's going to go to the brown jug in honor of our man who won't be on the sidelines, uh, Jim Harbaugh. Get a couple cheeseburgers. Uh, I thought you said he was, I thought you were going to say that um, he would mow Jim Harbaugh's lawn for him. That's probably what he's going to do when he's in Ann Arbor. Because as you heard, that's what Jim likes to do during these Michigan games when he's not coaching. I hope not, man. <laughs> That's just an ugly scene. 
Like, I, also, I, 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 I don't think know, like you, I don't know if you're specifically trying to make my blood pressure go up, but like I want to just point out that in a, in the same thirty second span on the same podcast, you said we want to see a better Central Michigan and referred to Michigan as the future national champions. Like for me personally, I can't think of like a a more like insulting thirty seconds. <laughs> hey man, I'm not I'm not a fan of either. However, it would make sense. For the Mac to be an improved profile if CMU held its weight. And heading into the year, yeah, if there was any team in the nation that came in hot, had great answers at quarterback and defense and running back and some other skilled spots with its returning coach that has experience in the playoff, yeah, it is Michigan. They checked a lot of boxes. I'm not saying I want it, and I'm not saying I'm hoping for it. but I'd be silly to say that Michigan won't make the playoff and win the national championship or like is in that is in that realm. I should say just the facts, ma'am. Just, it is what it is. All right. We got to tie this thing up. Uh, you know, who's not going to the national championship, but uh, made it pretty close this weekend. Uh, Ball state. They got waxed at Georgia saved the sec from having uh, God, like it's already like having <laughs> people are already hating on the sec deservedly. So, Lots of bad games across that conference. Safe for Georgia, who beat the snot out of Ball State. Um, who, I don't know, man. I haven't learned a dang thing about Ball State other than they're not good. 0-0 zero, zero after a quarter, but other than that, or nearly a quarter, I guess. How nice. But, um, I mean, there's yeah, there's nothing there's nothing bad about losing 45-3 to three to Georgia. <laughs> Um, there. I don't. I don't know who's playing quarterback for this team. That feels like a problem, to me anyway. Through two weeks, that they like, like don't know who's going to play. And I wonder if there's anything like. I know everybody is just like, this is the transfer portal's fault. So I'm not saying it is like a super negative thing, but it is very weird to watch these rosters kind of like retool. And then they come into the season and kind of just don't know who should play quarterback. Mm-hmm. That feels like a problem. Like Western Michigan's having that problem. Ball State's having that problem. Akron isn't having a transfer issue, but they're having a quarterback problem right now. And it's like. No, but like they're still in it where like it's affecting the roster. Right. And I just wonder if there's just like too much. Um, I don't know. Is the, are this are these situations too fluid without getting into the like if you got two quarterbacks you ain't got one territory? But like, um, you can have two quarterbacks. Just they, they have to be good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, like, I don't I don't understand why a guy who threw for a bazillion yards at Texas State comes north to Ball State and then just like doesn't look like the same player. Yeah, it's it's wild to me. Yeah. Texas State didn't really miss a beat when he left, though. So perhaps there's something there. <laughs> like no big deal. We'll just beat Baylor. Uh, Ohio. We didn't, we haven't even hit on Ohio. We got to talk about Ohio really, really quickly before we get out of here. This is like the most important game, more important than Kent State, more important than Toledo. I think. Um, Twenty seventeen. I can't even say numbers right. Seventeen, ten over FAU. Not the best offensive performance. Damn good defensive performance. Less than a yard per carry that defense allowed for Ohio. That is that is damn good, man. Two and one start for Ohio. Um, good to see Curtis work back. Good to see him finish. Caleb, we happy with uh, the state of Ohio's start right now? I know it's not wasn't the best week zero, but after this FAU game. Are you a little bit more happy? Let me tell you two things that are true. One, not worried about Ohio football's offense. Two, also true. That's some ugly-ass fucking football, man. That was an ugly game. And it's one thing to like a defensive battle. It's another thing to watch two teams flopping around like they're in a mud puddle, which is what that game felt like. Don't they play on grass? What's that? Don't they play on grass? I mean, they did, but 
I've been to Boca Raton. It ain't that wet. They're still on dry land. Um, they've played in a one. So it's they're good opponents for each other, right? Uh, a couple of years ago was that, or was it last year? Last year, yeah. The absolute barn burner was like 41 38. And this time, Ohio's just kind of trying to get its footing, trying to figure out what they can do offensively. And then Rourke's getting back in the swing of it, being hurt. And FAU is a product of the same situation that you were just talking about with like not really having uh, the quarterback situation figured out. And so it was ugly, ugly, ugly offensive football. But I, I was at least encouraged that they were able to kind of move the ball on the ground a little bit. But work looked, you know, he looked out of it. Uh, the the play calling was super bizarre at times for Ohio. Um, FAU, I, I don't really know if I can chalk it up to anything other than FAU's quarterback looked kind of crappy. So um, the defense has had a chance to shine a little bit. I wouldn't say they were playing with any more, like, you know, explosiveness and, uh, like, just, like, intensity. It's just It was just a defensive game, and both offenses looked kind of crappy. And – Oh, you have to win games like that to ultimately feel a little bit better about yourself. So, um, Ohio State heads or Ohio, I say goodness gracious, Ohio heads into the game uh, against this week against uh, Iowa State, and I feel more like of the games they've played the last couple of years, Ohio actually should win this game. It's not like we can beat Iowa State. It's like they they should. If Rourke is playing well and the offense is actually operating, they should beat Iowa State. Agreed. That's going to be the big unlock, which is really funny to say about Ohio specifically that we're like, hey, we're just waiting on the offense to get rolling. But this is kind of how it happened last year, right? Like, I don't think like Curtis Rourke, as we know him now, was really on the radar in the same way through like four or five weeks last year. This this thing like kind of really took off towards the end. If they can get it to take off early, they're 89th in S&P Plus in defense right now or SP Plus. Sorry, no more ampersand. SP plus uh, on defense, which aside from Toledo, put, makes them you know one of the best in the MAC. They're definitely a tier. They're in that same tier. They're a tier above the rest. It's very very cool to see a MAC team playing some like you know slightly below average defense, I guess, which for the conference right now is pretty dang good. Um, Iowa State not very good on offense. They have had to play Iowa. The opportunities there, they'll probably have to win the game in, in the same way that they just won this one against FAU, which uh, in its own right, very, very good G5 defense. Um, I'd like to see them turn it up because th- this is a big opportunity for Ohio to kind of like break out. And I think we've been kind of waiting for them to do that. Um, if They just need Curtis to stay healthy, man. Because this team should be 3-0. Yeah, and... They should be because they played when they played San Diego State. They were playing a team without a quarterback. San Diego State was on its like tenth quarterback or tenth, like fourth or fifth quarterback. Uh, they basically moved a guy from another skill position to quarterback to play it. Uh, it was ugly football again. That first game was ugly, just like this game was ugly. Uh, if Rourke is feeling good and he's got a good week of practice in, Ohio should score four or five touchdowns. And I actually think that, like you said, they're high. They're a top-end MAC defense this year. Um, Iowa State's not super good offensively. 11th-ranked like, defensive SP Plus, by the way, for Iowa State. If Ohio scores four to five touch- offensive touchdowns this weekend, like, what's what's the New Year's Six Bowl this year? I'm <laughs> I mean, serious. I'm serious, though, because at that point, there would be no – like, you're looking at a ranked showdown with Toledo at Fort Field, potentially, and then we'll go from there. If they, if I would be, I would take this conversation more seriously if it wasn't for the fact that they fucking lost to a team without an offense in San Diego State. No, but I do think the fact that they played, they played in that type of mud puddle game against San Diego State. They played another mud puddle game against FAU. They're gonna play in another one against Iowa State. The fact that they're like used to playing in that type of game. Yeah, I do appreciate, do appreciate you adapting the mud puddle analogy. Yes. It's exactly another mud puddle game in Ames. <laughs> uh, Wait, is it is it in Ames or is that Peden? How does it Peden? It's in Peden. It's at Peden. Oh my god! These Somebody are times won. where this is a game I wish I didn't. Um, like I, I, did, I wish I didn't have like. Wish I had. I wish my wife didn't work at nights. I didn't want to say it. It's like I wish I didn't have a kid because that's not so I can go to Iowa State, Iowa, Ohio. This is definitely not the case. 
but this I wish a- that we had like, I wish it was easier for me to just be like, yeah, I'm going to this game because this is one that I would like, I would like to go to. Yeah, my parents are in town this upcoming weekend, um, but this is the type of game where it's like, man, I should have circled this on the calendar. Decided I was going to this like two years ago. Mm-hmm. Kent State. Uh, we're we're going to speed through these. Uh, Toledo won by a lot. Uh, don't really have to talk about them. They're also going to take on San Jose State uh, this coming Saturday. All right, they're done. They're out of the way. They're one on one. Kent State, though, played Arkansas State closer than we imagined. Didn't allow just enough steal in one year notes. Didn't allow a touchdown until late in the first half. Uh, might be something. Could it lead to its first win under Kenny Burns? Uh, this Saturday against Central Connecticut. Another game you should have circled. If I still lived in Cleveland, I would absolutely go to that game. Uh, they should start by scoring an offensive touchdown first. Um, that I would, I, I'm no expert, but I, I think that would help them. A what? <laughs> Turns out, no matter how hard you try to get rid of him, Paul Haynes lives on. <laughs> Hey, man, Kent State was Kent State way before Paul Haynes got there. <laughs> uh, to close things up, because we're getting a little bit late here. Pretty fun slate. Uh, I already talked about Iowa State, Ohio, of course. Everybody's looking forward to UMass and EMU, uh, the MAC game that should be, just like the Miami game that was. Uh, Liberty takes on Buffalo Ball State, Indiana, Notre Dame, Central Michigan, uh, Western Michigan, Iowa. Uh, everyone in the nation is going to be watching that uh, for reasons. NIU, Nebraska. Good Lord, man. Could NIU please, please, please do it? Can NIU please do the thing that I've never seen done, which is be the MAC team to beat two Power 5 schools and lose to an FCS school? I haven't seen that combination of things ever. I've seen two Power 5 wins. We've seen that with Bowling Green. Uh, was that 2014 or 2015? One of those years. But if they can do that with the loss to SIU, mwah, mwah, I love this conference. Uh, if not, it would suck. Um, also, I haven't seen, since I've covered this conference, Miami beat Cincinnati. That'd be something. Uh, already said Toledo, San Jose State. Don't really care. Bowling Green, Michigan, uh, we got to pay tribute to Jim Harbaugh in that game, and then Akron, Kentucky, if you so choose. Guys, what are we looking at on this menu? What catches our attention? We talked about Ohio and Iowa State. Uh, I want to see if Buffalo can bounce back. Going on 3 would just, that would be rotten. Um, but also, dude, that Northern Illinois I don't like them. game. I don't like them. They did it last year. <laughs> That's true. Um, but like Caleb said, they're not in year two anymore. This is year three. Shouldn't be doing that stuff. NIU Nebraska is um I know we crossed these notes out, but I have we have to go back to it that like I think the funniest outcome here is they they win this game and then that's it. They don't win like they don't win a Mac or FCS game the whole year. Oh, and they man. just beat two power five schools. So it's only funny, like, so like NIU is in a, like a really good position where like through its two games and because, and it's only funny if you like care about the divisions of like FCS, Power 5, stuff like that, right? Because like, I don't totally respect Boston College and yeah, I totally respect SIU, but it doesn't. Thomas Hammock was not wrong that SIU is better than Boston College, by the way. He was 100% right in his post-week press conference and um, and I've been hitting the Sagarin ratings a lot today but niu and siu are ranked right next to each other that game played out about exactly as you would expect it based on like all the advanced stats and everything like that that's a top 90 team that's not of all the fcs schools that came in and won niu is the least representative of like whether or not that team's going to be good i do think they have a real chance to like be competitive against nebraska listen i i understand but divisions matter in the hilarity and if they do win like they have the power five win if they have the second one with the FCS loss. The comedy factor really does only work if it they do win a MAC title or if they just go 0 and 8. 
or like one in seven in Mac play. One of those two, like really, really. Yeah, there has to be some sort of con like extreme contrast. And yeah. I would go as far as four and four Mac play NIU. Not funny. If they go seven and five and win the Mac, it's not as funny as if they go like 11 and one. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Man. Yeah. <laughs> what uh, what interests me the most kind of like, you know, I've, I've been to an NIU Nebraska game. I've been there. I've been in Husker Stadium uh, nice. for a night game. And that was uh, year one under Hammock. And NIU just, you know, just basically. Right. And I feel I mean, this is a 6 p.m. game. I feel much better about his <laughs> chances here than I did a couple of years ago. Martinez was still the dang quarterback from Nebraska at that point. Uh, oh my god, this is the this is the FS1 game Saturday night. Wow. It is. And um Nebraska, I mean I think this is I this totally to me shapes up as like a 16 to 13 game. Like everybody's watching this game at like 8.30 and we're all in a group text talking about it and NIU is like marching down the field three yards at a time and kicking a field goal as time expires to win like 16 to 13 or something like that while 90,000 people go home and are talking about whether Matt Rule should be the coach next week despite the fact he's coached three games. Yeah, is that two years in a row they would lose on like the, the week three, week four-ish FS1 primetime game? Because that same thing happened to Georgia Southern last year. Oh, God. I don't remember exactly what week that was, but similar circumstances. Um, there's no evidence Nebraska can, like, play offense. Right. And NIU's defense looks good for the first time ever under Hammock. So there's yeah. there's a recipe there, I think. It's going to be a really strange week because, I like, I look at, Last week was, in my mind, like one of the more embarrassing weekends the Mac has ever had, like on the field in like recent memory. And then I turn around and I look at this schedule and I'm like, oh, yeah, Mac could do some weird shit this week. Mm-hmm. That's the beauty of it, man. It really is. I'm hoping for Miami. I'm hoping for it. Cincinnati's not a great looking football team, 2 0, sure, but. Man, if they really unlock something with that new new wide receiver that they have wide, uh, for Miami, I don't know, man. I would love to see the streak finally end. Like with all the other changes in college football, this is one thing that I don't want to stay the same. Actually, yeah. this is not one this is change an ancient, that can change. An ancient college football rivalry, recently one sided. This would be amazing, and I don't know. I mean, Caleb, you might know more. Like, what is the state of? Is Cincinnati going to play this thing annually anymore with the move to the Power Five? They shouldn't. Um, there's there I, there's still a lot of value in you know having this as a rivalry game, but uh, Cincinnati needs to move on from this because it'd be it'd still be good for Miami to try and get it on the schedule, but um, Cincinnati shouldn't be doing this every year. I'm glad that that's the answer because I want Miami to win this game even more now and then just declare that they're never fucking playing it again. <laughs> There's there is a part of me that just like there was this little tiny voice that went, Miami can win this game. I still feel like Cincinnati's level has risen too much for Miami to really be competitive. Uh, I think you'd have to have like a really special Miami team to beat this Cincinnati team. So if if Miami were to win, I think it would take like Cincinnati looking like crap, and then like us also realizing okay, Miami has arrived back into the fold right there. Let's start talking about them. They deserve to be back in that that top tier that Toledo is in. Um, so if this is a close game, then I'm probably reevaluating how I feel about Miami and not just like, eh, Miami, right? Um, but since I, I feel like Cincinnati's taken up that, the te- they've jumped up too much for Miami ever to really be competitive with them again, unless they're a special Miami team. If Miami wins, it would uh, retie the all-time record um at 60 and 60, the Miami held the long-time lead for such a very, very long time, even through Cincinnati's win streak that started in 2006 up until last year. Um, right now it's 60 and 59 and 7 in Cincinnati's favor. Miami win would tie that back up. Also, 
a win would also give Miami the all-time record in this series at Nippert Stadium. Right now, it's tied at 39-39-5. So yeah, it would be 1,000 million units of laughs if Miami were able to come through with a win here and then say, yeah, we're done. Immediately done. cancel no, that no. series. The second, we're not good for you the guys. Final, like, we, the final, like, the second that value. clock hits zero, like, before Chuck Martin shakes hands with Scott Satterfield at the end of that game, if they win, they should can't they should cancel the series. Like, just tweet it. Like, a, the ro- AD go rogue. And boom goes the dynamite. 